0: Steel slept fitfully and awoke tangled in a prickly woolen blanket, knees drawn to his chest and fists balled under his chin. He bolted from the cot and peered out of his tiny makeshift quarters near Mizpah Raman in the Negev desert. The sun cast an eerie orange glow, but it would soon grow harsh and yellow, shimmering off rock and sand. The thermometer would exceed 100 degrees Fahrenheit by noon, another typical day in the United Carpathian States. Engaged in the riskiest endeavor of his life, Rayford had cast his lot with God and the miracle of technology. There was no hiding a jury-rigged airstrip on the desert floor, not from the stratospheric cameras of the global community. Ridiculously vulnerable rayford and his ragtag team of flying rebels having arrived by the dozens from around the globe were at the mercy of the most audacious ruse imaginable his comrade in the enemy's lair had planted evidence in the global community database that the massive effort at mizpramon was an exercise of the gc's as long as gc security and intelligence personnel bought the great lie in the sky. Rayford and his extended tribulation force would continue what he called Operation Eagle. The name was inspired by the prophecy in Revelation 12.14. The woman was given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness to her place, where she is nourished for a time and a times and a half a time from the presence of the serpent. Dr. Tsian ben Judah, spiritual mentor of the tribulation force, taught that the woman represented God's chosen people, the two wings, land and air, her place, Petra, the city of stone, a time, one year, thus a time and times and half a time to be three and a half years, and the serpent, Antichrist. The tribulation force believed that Antichrist and his minions were about to attack Israeli Christ followers and that when they fled, Rayford and his recruited fellow believers would serve as agents of rescue. He dressed in a khaki shirt and shorts and went looking for Albie his second in command. The helpers, rallied via the internet by Rayford's daughter Chloe from the safe house in Chicago, had only recently finished the landing strip. They had alternated shifts. Some were instructed in flight plans by the same personnel who had checked them in and verified the mark of the believer on their foreheads, while others ran heavy equipment or toiled as laborers. "'Here, chief,' Alby said, as Rayford took in the row after row of helicopters, jets, and even the occasional prop plane lining the far side of the strip. First mission accomplished!' The small, dark, former black marketer, nicknamed after his home city of al wore his bogus GC deputy commander uniform, and had in tow a large young man who, Rayford was not surprised to learn, was from California. "'George Sebastian,' the tall, thick blonde said, extending a powerful hand. "'Rayford—' "'Oh, I know who you are, sir,' George said. "'Pretty sure everybody here does.' Let's hope nobody outside here does, Rayford said. So, you're Albie's choice for chopper lead. Well, uh, he uh, asked that I refer to him as Commander Elbaz, but <laughs> yes, sir. What do we like about him? Rayford asked Alby. Experienced, smart, knows how to handle a bird. Fine by me. Wish I had time to socialize, George, but if— you have just another minute, Captain Steele. Rayford glanced at his watch. Uh, walk with us, George. They headed to the south end of the new airstrip, Rayford's eyes and ears alert for unfriendly skies. I'll make it quick, sir. It's just that I like to tell people how it happened with me. It? Uh, you know, sir. Rayford loved these stories, but there was a time and place for everything, and this was neither. Nothing dramatic, Captain. Had a chopper instructor, Jeremy Murphy, who always told me Jesus was coming to take Christians to heaven. Of course, I thought he was a nutcase, and I even got him in trouble for proselytizing on the job.